Hello. Hello! Welcome to Sit for a Spell, a podcast where we discuss the lore, the traditions, and modern practices of the occult. Learn alongside us as we explore the many ways the witches of today observe their craft. So grab your book of shadows, light your candles. It's time, time to, to sit, sit for a spell. Hello, uh, welcome back. Hi. I'm, I'm James. I'm Jess. <laughs> we have a very special guest today. Um, she is a shaman and she she you can find her on Instagram at oh I lost it. At Vanessa Soul XO. Um it's Van- Vanessa Lamestre. Thank Hi, you so welcome. much for joining us. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Us too. Yeah, very exciting. us too. Yeah, we're, we're always looking for like very uh, different voices to come and talk about the thing that they're passionate about. And um, I'm so glad we could, you know, get in contact and have a chance to talk to you. Um, so you are, uh, you're a shaman, is that correct? Yes, I am a shaman. Okay. Um, so what is, what does that mean for anybody who doesn't know? Like, what does a shaman do? What does it mean to be a shaman? Well, essentially, it's the oldest form of healing. And so shamanism is as old as like, most likely humankind. Mm -hmm. And it's not really a strict set form of healing. So you can find shamanism all over the world, different cultures use it, most of them um, use different kinds of medicines, like herbal medicines, plant medicines, including psychedelics and theogens that are there to help people with cancer and AIDS and, you know, really serious ailments. But then there's also shamans who get into trance-like states with drumming and, um, you know, different kinds of animal totems, power animals to help support them. Um, Because usually it's not really um, the shaman that does the work. It's them connected to the power that tunes into them. And Mm -hmm. essentially a shaman means the bridge. So it's really the bridge from the spiritual realm to the material realm. Oh, wow. That's really cool. I had no idea that that's what that meant. And uh, how long have you been practicing? Um, so I, my story is kind of interesting. Like I got called um, when I was 21, this yogi read my palm for free. He's like, you don't have a choice. You're a shaman. And I was a stubborn 21 year old. And I was like, F that. I'm not listening You're like, to that. no, I want to go out and party. Exactly. I was like, no, you're not going to tell me what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> but then, you know, like I've always been really spiritual and I didn't know that was different. Like I would have girlfriends and they'd be like, oh my God, you're so different. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I would feel almost ostracized. Like, what do you mean I'm different? Yeah. <laughs> You know, and then like my family, they're um, from Haiti, but they're super traditional and like um, very Americanized, like wanting to put me in private school, very Catholic, and they were not very supportive of my spirituality. And so then I ended up like getting really into yoga and I got certified to teach yoga. I was going to India, um, going to different retreats, studying there. And I was still ignoring the call. And it wasn't until after my nine month old son Camden was born four years ago and but then he passed away um yeah it was crazy it was like due to a really rare um genetic disease called zellweger syndrome Mm. only one in four hundred thousand people have this um but it's so fatal there's no cure and i was i was lucky enough to have nine full months with him alive and we bonded and he was the best blessing and gift in my life because once he transitioned over 
my life completely changed. I was 30 years old and I was like, oh my goodness, like, I'm go- why am I here? You know, yeah. it was one of those like epiphany moments. Like, well, if I'm here for a reason, you know, because witnessing death on that caliber really um, transforms you. Oh, absolutely. You know, it really questioned life. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I was like, you know what, let me, if I'm supposed to be a shaman, let me look into that and start studying and training. And then um, what happened was I was, I ended up in a mediumship class and this woman did this exercise with me where she was blindfolded and did a past life progression. She was like, oh, in your past life, you were a shaman. And I was uh-huh. like, well, like, why does this keep coming up? Okay. Yeah. That, that's just what I am. <laughs> let me stop ignoring this. And so I really fully accepted it. But at the same time, a lot of times when there is a shaman, the community doesn't really know how to receive this person or because they are so different. Mm-hmm. In ancient times, most shamans usually live outside of the city alone in a hut. They don't really have a normal job. They usually work for exchange of goods, mm-hmm. you know? And so it has been very challenging. It's not very glamorous work. Um, because you're dealing with things, not only with people with ailments, but like you're dealing with energy attachments, suffering yeah. spirits that attach to people mm-hmm. that right. require the shaman to do extractions. Yeah. I'm sure that can get, uh, overwhelming for you Exhausting. as well. Yeah. It sounds it, like it. Yeah. And like, but the thing that's unique is that I'm accepting on my path that, you know what, this is going to look totally different for me. Cause like, I've had many friends that are close to me say, Vanessa, you're both, you're really spiritual, but you're also a socialist. You're also into like modern <laughs> things. Like, I mean, up. same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, early <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what I really love. Um, like when we first connected, looking at your Facebook, I mean, your Instagram page, yeah. seeing you proud of yourself, the way you mm-hmm. look, your body. I was like, yes. Like it was, you were just saying, you know, like the shot, the quote unquote shaman isn't always what you think it is you know I love that you're able to still you you have the spiritual side of you but you're also like yes I'm a powerful sexual woman and it doesn't have to be both and it doesn't have to be one or the other it can be mm-hmm. both because you are both yeah. you're a person yeah you know like you're you're well-rounded and you're a person you're a beautiful woman so I'm glad that you it's good to see that sort of example out there absolutely Thank yeah you so much. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so can you Tell us a little about like what the training was like. Is there anything, I don't know if you're allowed to, or can you tell us about what the training was like to become a shaman? Well, you know, it's interesting because I'm still, I probably have a lifetime of training left. Literally, Mm -hmm. I might be 88 years old doing shamanism. and I still probably have trainings to do because for me, it's, if if this really truly is something I did in a past life, it's really a remembering, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's when those dots connect. So I've done various forms of training. Like I just recently graduated from, um, a graduate program called resilient leadership. So it's environmentalism. So, and social justice and sustainability. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you know, while that might not be shamanism, quote unquote, it is a form of healing, stepping into the leadership role mm-hmm. and focusing mm-hmm. on our environment, you know, oh, technically, yeah. a witch can be a shaman or, um, any, any kind of occultism can be a shaman, you know, in some sense of form. And so for me, I, I basically took the training with um, Michael Harner. He he studied around the whole world, all the shamans, and then came up with to America and came up with poor shamanism. So I did a lot of training through his organization and bless his soul, he's no longer here. But um, it's a pretty core foundational method where I learned about dream work and giving people their power animals and soul retrievals. So that's one form. But then I recently went to Peru to study with ayahuasca. 
Mm. Now, mm-hmm. um, the Shipibo tribe in Peru, they, you know, they're, they're holding that medicine very sacred to them because they have so many colonists, like Americans going there, mm. taking the medicine, setting up shop, mm. acting like they're shamans when they're doing this for business. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, they're not really open to be like, here are all my secrets. Let me train you. They need to get to know you and trust you. And mm-hmm. while I was there and I had such beautiful and, and challenging experiences on a personal level, um, all they gave me was my sh- sh- shamanic name. So, okay. you know, it was a shaman. He was blind. He gave me my name because he knew I, I'm a shaman. But at the same time, it's not like this whole free access pass. I'll yeah. teach you everything and give you all my secrets. Um, right. So currently, I've been doing a lot of um, research on my own, like with plant medicines and sitting in circles, talking circles. Um, different various ones like mambe, which is from the coca powder from the plant. And you use it medicinally and with intention and for healing. Hmm. And then, so then when I got back from Peru, I was speaking to my grandmother who's from Haiti. And she was like, why are you going to the jungle to take medicine? That's, that's Bagai Boko. Um, that's things in her country of witchcraft. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, I did not connect the dots. It's like, okay, I told that I like ding dong. I was born into this Haitian lineage mm-hmm. where voodoo is huge. It's huge. Right. And while my family sheltered me from that. They, they literally raised me saying, Vanessa, we know nothing about voodoo. That's not, we don't do that. Yeah. But, but also this is the funny thing. Cause in our culture, I found out recently that in voodoo, you don't choose to be called, they call you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that really connected the dots for me with the guy telling me I don't have a choice in this. So I went to Haiti for the first time in March of this year, and it was a really powerful experience. And without giving too much detail of, of like blasting this lady who I went to go get initiated with, um, she was a total scam. She was a total scam. She was taking money. I mean, expensive, like the biggest investment I've ever personally made thousands of dollars per initiate to go through this initiation process. And she was all full of shit, excuse my language, but she was full of shit. Yeah, she was full of shit. And um, it's, it's, it's ridiculous that these people in the occult, now that it's becoming popular, mm-hmm. you know. Um, They're taking advantage. Yes, yes. And that's like the worst thing because you're not even doing it on the mental level. You're doing it on, a, on the person's spirit, yeah. which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Um, she was a scam artist. And luckily, I, I met up with three sisters who were there with me together. And we had a dear friend who was a priest, a Haitian priest in America somewhere. He's a white guy. And, um, he was like, you guys do not go through with this. It is dangerous, like danger, danger, danger. This woman is trying to harm your souls. Mm-hmm. And so what I found was that we ended up joining our forces together, me and the three girls, and we had our own form of initiation, our own ceremony, our own ritualistic practice and left with so much power. Wow. That's awesome. so cool. Yeah. You use, you use this like opportunity you use this thing you turned it into an opportunity instead of saying well you know she took our money what are we going to do you know like you banded together with these women and you're like you know what we have the power within us like we We made it stronger for that too (laughs) yeah that's so awesome (laughs) yeah that's really um so these women do you are you still in contact with them do you still Absolutely. One of them, yeah. I just, she is such a dear soul. And like, I just want to be friends with her forever. And her, her <laughs> she was initiated in Ifa, which is another African traditional religion. And her name that they gave her is Moni. And it's funny because the name I was given by the Shipibo tribe in Peru is Moni Kuna. Hmm. Oh, wow. So we have like the same spiritual <laughs> names, which is yeah. interesting. That's a nice That's connection. really cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> you have that little connection. <laughs> that is really cool. I mean, it probably, you know, goes to show you guys were meant to meet, mm-hmm. you know, like it was meant to be, you guys were supposed yeah. to find each other. Yes. yes. So when you, when you work on someone, if someone comes to you, how does that work? Do they come to you with like a specific uh, request or do you kind of feel what they need? How does that, what does that look like when somebody comes to you? It, it's going to always look different when I have a one-on-one and, you know, a lot of times I do consult. So I do hear what's going on with them from their side, but then I also consult with my spirit team. And that's the one thing that I've learned throughout this whole initiation process. My personal initiation process is really connecting to my spiritual team and really surrendering to them and what they say and, and learning the sacredness of how to honor them. Because through that, I'm able to, to listen to what the client needs, what herbs to use if it's a bath, what kind of meditation will be beneficial for that soul specifically. Um, you know, do they need a power animal in their life right now to help get them through so that they don't have to take on so much, but they can learn to cultivate their own relationship with their power animals. So a lot of it is supportive of empowering them. So it's not really me doing so much for them, but understanding that they're open to receive what's Mm. being channeled through me, you know, so that way they can be empowered as they move forward on their journey. But um, sometimes it's mediumship. You know, I was in the mediumship class that I mentioned earlier, and I I was so shocked that I was even there because I just ended up there randomly when a friend invited (laughs) me. And this guy was so psychic and all these people were trying to be mediums. And for me, it was coming so easily. And this guy's like, you don't know why you're here, but later it's going to make sense. And sometimes like I'll be doing mediumship for someone and I don't even understand why I'm getting the messages that I get. But for that person, it's like a whole epiphany. They start crying and it's something so profound for them, you know? So it, it definitely looks different every single time. Yeah. That's awesome. When you do, um, when you put these opportunities out there, do you prefer to do them in person? Are you able to do them kind of like online? Uh, what are your preferences? I'm open. Like I, I, at this point in my life, like after Camden, my son, you know, I'm just like spirit, just use me. Mm-hmm. So however I can connect with people. And I feel like if someone reaches out to me, it's spirit's work. Mm-hmm. You know, they were sent yeah. by spirit and however I can connect with them, whether it's virtual in person, I'm so open. Always. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause I can send people stuff too. And I do, I have been working on, I've been doing root work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is kind of ritualistic, but it's like candle work and, mm-hmm. and spells, you know, and those things have negative connotations, but to me, they've been so rewarding and so balancing and, and harmonistic in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We go ahead, Jess. I was just going to say, cause sometimes those things, those more ritualistic practice like candle work, sometimes it could just even be a meditative process where you're going uh, to clear your mind and you're grounding yourself before you go into your spirit work or yeah. anything else. Yes. And, we, and we, we definitely get like the, the negative connotation thing, because if you tell someone like, Oh, I'm a witch. Oh, I practice. So I'm sure you get it with <laughs> I'm a shaman. People are like, Oh, like real, like don't put a hex on me. And it's like, you, you know, people have that, uh, that negativity associated mm-hmm. with it when it's like, well, no, all I do, you know, I'm, yes. you know, I'm trying to, trying to access the power within myself and that's all that it is but people take it you know from whatever movies they've seen or you know whatever <laughs> tv show they're watching and it's just I'm sure you have to deal with that all the time 
all the time. And then the funny thing is, it's like, I just got back from Boulder because I was living there for two years in Colorado and everyone there wants to be a shaman. So, and the thing is, is it's not, a lot of it is not authentic. It's like, they're grabbing what they see on movies and, you know, they're putting Mm -hmm. on and they're like, I'm a shaman too. And it's like, but are you, and this is something that I'll say that I think everyone that's authentic about it and everyone that's aspiring or pretending to be in the occult, you know, I think for the rest of our lives, the, a really good question to ask is like, is this, you know, why am I doing this? Yeah. Why am I doing yeah. This? yeah. 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 You have to be able if to hear the question. Yeah. And if your intentions aren't pure, if you're like, well, I want to make money, I want to, you know, I want to make money off because like you said, it's popular now. So I just, you know, I want to capitalize on this. That's never, if your heart isn't pure, then you're yeah. never going to get good things out of it. Yeah. Yes. And then yeah. I don't know, it's interesting the reactions people get because then like I'll get close quote unquote close friends that'll then <laughs> like um like post things like oh sage doesn't do anything and it's like oh you know it's one thing if you don't support my path or other people right. wanting this path but you don't need to be so extreme about it you know we're just healers and we're just trying to yeah. balance the earth yeah yeah and like it doesn't do anything for you because you don't believe in it you know like of course it's not going to work for you yeah but- I get yeah. I guess luckily our friend group is very supportive, but we, from maybe more extent of family members, you know, I grew up very um, Catholic, you know, we are Mexican, (laughs) we're Catholic, you know, like, but the kind of the same thing where they came from Mexico and it was like, no, we're American, you assimilate, we don't know anything about any of that. And then come to find out, I'm finding out my great grandmother and her mother, and they were all in the occult. And it's like, what happened? Like, what, why, you know, like, why does it take, you know, you lose your culture a little bit that way. And now it's up to us to, to find it again. Yeah. And that's really cool that you found it this way. And I think it's really interesting. So you're back in LA now, right? I've been, I felt so called to come back to LA and it's crazy because I just got back here two weeks ago and I was living here for four years and I just did not see it as clearly as I can see now, like how Mm -hmm. much work needs to happen here spiritually. Mm-hmm. you know oh, this yeah. big way, like, it's the devil's playground and like honestly I can I see it clear on an energetic level yeah absolutely yeah, yeah talk about greed and uh you know vanity and yeah. you know people doing things just for the money oh, that's absolutely. definitely that's LA for sure the needs and mm-hmm. as much as people claim they are spiritual and things you know a lot of people don't give out that energy at all yes just it's kind of it's kind of shocking, actually. It's a trend. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's oh, a really yeah. big trend in LA right now to kind of be kind of like that witchy movement, that witchy vibe, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it's kind of the same thing that like kind of trickled down in the 70s, the 60s and 70s, you know, with like the free love and everything, but it, it trickles out and it stays with the people who hold true. And uh. at the same time, hopefully can, people can learn a little bit from it. i would hope so it's a trend for a reason i mean there are people who do this faithfully and practice faithfully everywhere and people see that and i think people really like it they like the crystals they like the way things look and they want to do it too but then i think they eventually think that they don't have a connection or they feel it'll clash with their other spirituality or they don't want to look or they don't want to go as deep as you might need to right yeah I think especially now you know with everything that's going on people are looking to take control in their lives you know Mm -hmm. and I feel like uh, the occult is like a 
a good way to do that because you're not looking elsewhere. You're not looking, you know, not that there's anything wrong with looking toward, you know, a higher being or a, you know, a God, but I feel like you have to have the power within yourself first, Mm -hmm. you know, before anything else can manifest. And, you know, we would be, uh, it would be, a uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that we are recording this in the middle of, uh, kind of a, not kind of a very chaotic time and um you know uh Vanessa you are you are a black woman and so I mean we just not that you have to you know say anything about it but you know we we love to hear your your opinions and your thoughts if if you are up yeah yeah I mean I I'm just so honored to be to have like the privilege to have my voice be heard right now um, yeah. given that this is something that runs deep through all of our ancestries. I mean, you have Celtic occult, all kinds of occultism, but for African-Americans, it was how we, how we had to survive. We did yeah. not have a choice. And so then we obviously had to turn to spirituality and for me to step into my role as a spiritual healer during this time and to be heard is so profound for not just me, but for other people who, who have that within them, kind of what you were just touching on that you don't have to look outside, but it's within you. And I think this is the most empowering thing anyone can do for themselves. And to be a black woman, I mean, you know, I've been spiritual my whole life, like I said, and I've never really had an easy opportunity to, to share, you know, to share my gifts, to share my services, to share my healing, to be on a platform where I am received as a woman of color because most of the platforms in wellness are predominantly white, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and that goes for everything like conferences, workshops, yoga, um, sound mm-hmm. bath, everything, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, it's, it's, it feels really powerful and very, very strong to have a moment in time where we can be heard, where, where we can be seen, you know, in our power, in our glory, in, in the ways that we walk in the, in the things that we carry, you know, and, and spirituality is beautiful to me because, because it's carried through every part of the world. And so how people carry it is so glorious. I look at Mexicans and I'm fascinated all the time (laughs) because I can see the indigenous roots. I can see their ancestors that were the medicine men and the medicine women. And there's so much power in reclaiming that, especially in a time like right now, um, going through all of the madness. And it's, it's just mind like mind boggling the fact that there is still such a lack of awareness, but I'm so grateful at the same time that so many people are waking up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It definitely feels like Jess and I talked about this a few weeks ago. We were both like, uh, we could feel something coming. We were like, mm-hmm. something is on the brink. There's going to be a breaking point, an awakening. Something is happening. We talked about it on our podcast. And when you know we saw everything that was happening, I was like, this is it. Like this mm-hmm. is it's, it, obviously it's way like way 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 long time coming. But I feel like even people in my family, sure. um, because like I said, we're very uh, very traditional. Um, uh, for the most part, people in my family are in support, you know, of the Black Lives Matter movement, and they're showing their support, they're donating, I'm talking to them, I'm, you know, and just the way that they're talking, 
I'm like, I feel like, okay, like even people I thought like, oh, like, you know, you have your racist uncle or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, you, you try to teach them as you go, but you know, in the end, people are going to have the mind that they have. Yes. But to see that person come around and see them waking up, it's like, <laughs> you feel like proud of them. You know, you're like, finally, you're listening. Like your, your, your eyes are open. And I feel yeah. like a lot of people are really going through that right now. I agree. And that's what makes it painful because mm-hmm. growth is painful. It really is. Yeah. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of embarrassment. There's a, there's a lot of emotions that this brings up and it, it rightfully should. And I was telling my sister today, I was like, people are going to get angry and people are going to get upset and you're not going to be able to just be on social media anymore and just like ignore things. There's going to be confrontation yeah. and it's just going to be something that's going to have to happen and it will happen. It's happened in the yeah. past. It's going to happen again. And we just have to listen. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're onto something. And I feel like with all that is happening with the pain and the shame and the guilt and the anger, there is, it seems like underneath that layer, there is healing that is happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I can definitely see it happening and Mm -hmm. feel it happening. And it's going to be, I mean, it's a, can be a scary time for a lot of people, but I feel like it's necessary because the system we had before just wasn't working. No, I think it's what it takes sometimes, but to get back to um, to you, we wanted to talk about uh, you're starting an online church. Is that correct? Yes, it is. <laughs> Tell exciting. us about that. That's really exciting. Oh my goodness. It seems so crazy to me and wild. And exciting. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this. <laughs> um, and I cannot stop thinking about it. It's crazy. Like spirit is just dropping in my head all day, all day long, every day about this church. And you know, the goal is to eventually make it a a sanctuary, like in person, Mm -hmm. if things ever get back to normal to some degree. But but what really inspired it um, was one spirit. It just came into my head one day and it was like this, well, this is what I want you to do. And like I said, I'm here to serve spirit. So (laughs) that's why, but also when I was in my grad program, resilient leadership, most of my classes were taught in council. So we would literally okay. sit in circle and we would have these very real conversations because it was a leadership program. We spoke so much about privilege, diversity, and inclusivity. Mm-hmm. What does it really mean? But we didn't just talk about like the surface stuff. We got deep and it was very uncomfortable for so many people. People would walk out of class, but what happened was so mm-hmm. much growth because people were able to be vulnerable and experience and really confront feelings and, and topics and discussions that they would never ever have with the soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that kind of conversation where it kind of took away hierarchy, it took away from like the professor leading the class. It was more egalitarian. So that's why I want this church to be more of a conversation, mm-hmm. more of a ritual. I don't want people to be churched at. I don't want to go on there and preach at people. And, you know, I will make sure I am mindful of getting my voice out there and honoring my voice as a, as a person of color, as a, as a human being. Um, but I really want it to be conversation where people can, we can all learn from each other. Yeah. I really love that. Yeah. It sounds like a really strong way to go about it. Cause I think people really appreciate being part of the community instead of being kind of like preached at. Yeah. Part (laughs) of the group that there's still something above them. And so I think that's going to foster a lot of community. 
right? And that's the goal. Like, I really do want a lot of community. And like, I love that the word unity is in community. Yeah. <laughs> like right now, we just really need to come together. And like, I just think, I constantly think about when I was seven years old and I learned the colors of the crayons. And I just wish like we could learn like how kids are, you know, because they, they are so wise. Mm-hmm. And when I was seven, I learned the colors of crayon and I got so excited because I went home and I spoke to my cousin who's like five shades lighter than me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Tara, you're yellow. I'm beige. Mommy's brown. No, mommy's white. Grandma's brown. And he was telling me, he's like, Vanessa, you're black. And I was seven. I put my hands over my head. I'm like, what are you talking about? I saw the colors of crayon. I'm not black, you know? And I just thought we were all just different shades. And I yeah. just, you know, but then that, that really gets to the core of what is unity and, and how can we come together in community with this sense of equality? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so important. And taking away that, you know, that barrier of um, color, you know, yes. which is such a stupid thing to even have. And you're, <laughs> you just, you know, you're just like, we're all just in this together. Let's all be together and learn from each other. I think that's a, a wonderful message. Yes. And then like, and then it's also, um, I'm really passionate about, you know, incorporating ritual to some degree, like whether it's lighting sage or doing shamanic drumming. So, so people can dive a little bit deeper if there is a question that's asked. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. so they can really chime into that and and tap into those indigenous ways of healing because we don't have to do things like a certain way. Like I definitely want this to be different than any t- any normal kind of church. Yeah, I think people are looking for that too. I think so definitely. too. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are um, looking so are you- for change, definitely, yeah. especially in the spiritual world, because I think a lot of people are finding it as we go through. They're finding it difficult to follow the main spirituality that we were raised with, whether it be Catholicism or Judaism or Christianity and taking some of that. Yeah. If that's what you want to do, but understanding that that's not the end all say all that there's more to it. Let's talk about like where, where you're going to be um, holding the, these, like, what do you call them? You know, congregations or. Sure. It's going to be, it's going to be called soul church. Oh, oh soul that. church. Okay. Yeah. And then like the subtitle is going to be a different kind of church. Um, and the sub subtitle is, you know, where we hold ritual and conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it'll be on zoom. Um, and so I'm hoping that there's not like too many technical issues with that, with getting people on board, but it's going to be on zoom Sundays at 1 PM Pacific time. And, you know, I am going to have like a PayPal account attached. So where people can donate for the sustainability of it, but mm-hmm people are welcome to come for free. Um, but I do want it to be something that can be resilient and continue on mm-hmm. and to grow. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Do you have, um, are you, you're hosting all this through your Instagram account or does your, does your church yeah. have its own Instagram account? Yeah, no, it's going to be all through my Instagram account at Vanessa Solexo. And then the link will be in the bio. Okay. Nice. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. So I just want to go back quickly to something you said earlier, a power animal, you said? Can you explain that a little bit? Because I really, I really uh, like caught onto that one. (laughs) Absolutely. It's not funny because so many people are like, oh, this is my spirit animal. And they joke about it. And it's like, oh, my goodness. No, like these indigenous cultures honored power animals. Like shamans from back in the day would, you know, put on eagle feathers to tap into that energy of eagle medicine 
or hawk yeah. medicine when they would combat or when they needed um, to see with clarity and insight. So all of these animals are here to bless us. I remember when I saw my the first shaman I saw two years ago, I went for a soul retrieval and she blew in a bear because that was the animal that came for me. And so I tattooed the bear on my arm, but, oh, cool. you know, it was so powerful because when she gave me my bear, she explained to me how to work with it and to acknowledge its presence. Even like if it's every day, look at a photo of it, say, hi, bear, you know, thank you for being in my life. Because these animals, they come in and they're connected to a higher energy than we are. They're connected to a universal energy. Mm-hmm. And in shamanism, we call them compassionate animals. And, and all of us have them, you know, but sometimes I had a woman who had 12 show up for her. You know, sometimes we might be going through something very challenging and we might need a whole big team of like some powerful power animals. Mm-hmm. But once that, once that challenge leaves your life, the animal might leave. Or sometimes the animals stay with you forever, but we all have them. And if you can tap into what yours is, and you can do this through, um, you can even look up a YouTube video on YouTube called Shamanic Drum Journey. And you journey down and you ask the animal, because you'll go down in your mind mm-hmm. to levels and you'll ask the animal, if you see an animal, are you my three times? And if it says no, you keep journeying. If it says yes, you bring your hands to your heart and you welcome the spirit in because the spirit is now your ally. And, and the, mm-hmm. the, the key thing is in shamanism that when this power animal becomes your ally, it's there to give you power. So you become power filled. It's not your own power, which is very powerful. Oh, wow. That's really cool. That is really cool. <laughs> I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to look up that video. I was like mentally making a list. So you said earlier that anyone can become a shaman. Is well, that... Oh yeah, you know, I'll, I'll clarify a little bit. I'll say this. Okay. I'll say anyone can become a shamanic practitioner. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anyone can go and get training to be a practitioner of shamanism and they can get the training, they can learn the tools, they can practice with clients. Now, I do personally believe there is a difference with a shamanic practitioner and then a shaman. You know, um, I think again, like, I think it's something that calls you if you're really a shaman and you mm-hmm. don't call it. You don't wake okay, up and say, yeah. "Oh, I'm a shaman," because right. you know, for fuck's sake. But it's it's so <laughs> sacred. <laughs> where where when it calls you, it calls you because ancient, like in history, when a shaman was really called, if they don't listen, terrible things would happen. Like they would mm-hmm. get electrocuted, terminally ill. I oh know one guy who ignored his call and he broke every bone in his body in a car accident. Oh, He's yeah. fine. Oh my gosh! Like, until you <laughs> listen, yeah. So it's yeah. intense. Yeah, they're gonna like the like. Come on, dude, we're calling you. Like, let's. Calling. What are you waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> they're not messing around. No, they are. That's so interesting. That is. But um, so is there anything else you would want us to know? Like maybe even like misconceptions about when people hear the word shaman or anything you kind of just want to get out there about you know this is what it's really like. You know, we're this is what it, I'm about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, thank you for for allowing that, like that question, you know, I do, I would like to say that, you know, we're just normal people. We're human and, and we suffer the same way. Like we, if a shaman is not getting healed, they're probably not a good shaman because like a really good one would be doing, getting their own healings by other shamans, probably more often than, 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 you know, like a regular person who has like a nine to five or something, because it requires so much 
But so we, mm-hmm. and we do tend to be wounded healers. I was listening to a podcast yesterday where this guy was like, oh, you know, I think we're out of the age of wounded healers. And now we're all tapping into like this infinite well where we can really stand in our power. And while that sounds great, and that sounds like a lot of fluff and light and sunshine, the reality is, is life is not always that easy. And a lot of times, you know, if we're alive, there is still stuff to heal through. So a lot of times shamans are wounded healers. And we've probably gone through like more adversity and tragedy than like, you know, the average person. And so that's the, you know, that's just the one thing is like, you know, we're still, we're normal people. We're human. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine going through the process of healing causes almost as much trauma as what caused the healing to. Wow. (laughs) Wow. No, that's powerful. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, uh, uh, you know, you having to go through that trauma with your son yeah. ultimately mm-hmm. led you to where you are. And like you said, you know, sometimes that's what, maybe that's what you needed to heal, you know, yes. to, to finally answer your call. So I'm, I mean, I'm so, I'm so glad that you found it. Cause I mean, I can't <laughs> even imagine having to go through something like that. Right. I, you know, it's interesting. And like, and just what you were just touching on, um, just about like the trauma, like, you know, I think about my journey in Peru with ayahuasca every other night and like, it was so traumatic. And I, and for me, like I was the only female with four guys and one of the guys had a demonic entity possessing him and he was attacking me every night. And I asked the shaman, I'm like, why am I going through this? I'm the only Mm -hmm. female. I'm in the middle of a jungle. There's no cops. I can't even call the cops if I try. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, well, this is your test. You know, these medicines, they will test you, especially if you are a healer, Mm -hmm. even more. Because you're going to have to deal with that times 10. Like, you know, when I am trained to administer ayahuasca in in a proper safe setting, most likely guys will, you know, view me in a, in a different way because this is what happens. These are the challenges that healers will have to deal with. Yeah. 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 And you're, you are dealing with countless people's traumas as well. So you have yeah. to be extra strong to deal with all of that extra trauma, take it on and feel it. Yeah. Does, when you are, when you are in a session, what do you feel like? What is that like for you? Oh, it's intense. I have to shield up so much. I I have to ground every single day and it feels like more and more. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask if you have kind of like a daily kind of like protection routine that you use for yeah. yourself. Yeah. You know, before I got to LA, I had a friend who shared one with me and it's really simple called the permission of roses. And it's where you envision your roots from your feet grounding to the roots of the core. And you envision a ring around you where thorns are poking out, but inside there's roses. And I added like gold light, um, just for protection because like, I mean, constantly. And that, that was something else I did want to talk about. Like given the, this, the times right now, like I think spiritually it is important for people of color to all people really to look for protection right now mm-hmm. and, and to mm-hmm. make that even more, um, pronounced in our daily lives, um, energetically. Yeah. Yeah. Not even just physical protection, but like you said, energetic protection. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, cause it can be uh, a lot sometimes. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So at this time, what we're going to do is just take a moment of silence. Um, so you'll hear Vanessa lead us and it'll just be a couple minutes. So please follow along and um, do whatever yeah. techniques or meditative practices you want. Let's just take a moment, close our eyes. I'm going to rattle as we call in our spirit guides for just a moment of silence. An honor. Call in all your guides, all of your power animals, your whole spiritual team that's there with you and that are beings of light. And before we begin to open our eyes, I'll just ask that we think of an intention that will help contribute to world peace, equality, unity, and a, co a collective awakening. You can slowly open your eyes. Thank you, Thank so, you so much. much. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, before we go, if you want to just remind everyone where they can find you and um, your church. And uh, yeah, go ahead. Sure. Great. Um, so yeah, it can be found on Instagram at Vanessa Soul XO. And the link for Soul Church will be in the bio. And I hope to see people there. Thank you so much. Yeah, check it's it out. So definitely. Exciting. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank yeah, you. Thank you so much. I learned so much. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for um, listening and for joining us. And a very special thank you to our guest, Vanessa, and um, for sharing some of her gift with us. And um, we know things are crazy. Mm -hmm. um, we know we kind of we knew there was like a, a pause on um, kind of people putting out their episodes this week. Mm -hmm. But we thought it was important to hear Vanessa's voice um, yeah. and mm -hmm. for her to really put out that call um, for unity and for peace. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was so fun talking to her. Yeah. She was, uh, totally. She's like a little ray of light. I mean, yeah. she's, so, yeah, she's like super, Sunshine. super lovely. So, um, yeah, just everybody be safe out there. Um, mm -hmm. If you are going to protest, 
um, in person or online, just be safe. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, what else can we say? You don't need to hear from us. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, thanks again. And thank you so much next time. Next time. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of sit for a spell. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on all social media at Sit for a Spell Pod. If you have anything you would like us to discuss or want to share your own practices, please email us at sitforaspellpod at gmail.com. Until next time, blessed, blessed be. be.